The Broken Made New. Kinsakurai is a Japanese practice of repairing broken pottery with gold. Through brokenness, something more beautiful is created. Similarly, though we cry to God to save us from brokenness, it's through this darkness that His light shines through. This is the first episode in our Advent series where we'll take a different approach to understand this season of finding joy. Let's go. Welcome to the Growing People podcast. I'm your host, Jared. Growing people are but clay in the potter's hand. We are molded and made, but not without pressure or change. Sometimes in the midst of that change, we find ourselves crying out to God to rip open the heavens, but instead he responds with peace. He responds with bringing light into our darkness. Joining us today and each week throughout this Advent series, Pastor Mark. Mark, thanks for joining us. It's good to see you, Jared. I'm glad to be with you for another Growing People podcast. I am excited for this Advent season, this Advent series. This very first week is all about the inbreaking of light in kind of an unexpected way. It starts in Isaiah, which is kind of an odd place, maybe, if we're if we're talking about Advent. This passage that we're looking at here in week one of Advent, it is honestly one of my favorite passages. One of the things I appreciate about Advent is that, you know, Christmas is so commercialized and there's such a, honestly, a secular understanding of what Christmas is all about. But the people of God in this journey called Advent are really getting into the sense of anticipation. And this Isaiah passage helps us to do that. It, it, it takes us into the shoes and into the experience of exile and imagine longing, waiting, hoping, wanting a Messiah. And um, year after year after year, the Messiah doesn't come. You're still in exile. You still don't have the temple and the land and all the things that you lost when uh, you went into exile. And so Advent is this, this practice for the people of God to, to not rush to Christmas, to not rush to the gift that is given in, in Jesus, but to, but to have that sense of anticipation. Is this verse in, or verses in Isaiah, which is Isaiah 64, 1 through 9, uh, that you preached from this week, is this pre-promised land or post with an exile from the promised land? Yeah, the, yeah, this is, so Isaiah is writing this from exile. Okay. They've been in the promised land. This is after the the kingdom and the, you know, the, the Davidic kingdom. Israel has fallen, Judah has fallen, and now they're in Babylon. And we're in this place where it's a continuation from Isaiah 63, where Isaiah is crying out to God, begging God, rip open the heavens and fix what's going on. Eliminate my enemies, pour down your fire, be the big God that I know that you can be. And I've, I've seen before and do that again, mm -hmm. but he's not seeing that. Mm -hmm. But what's, what I think is really beautiful is later on, Isaiah says, but still Lord change us. Mm -hmm. So instead of Lord, I need you to do this. And I almost, quote unquote, commands you to pour down if you don't change us. And that is the voice of hope in Isaiah. 
Isaiah 1 through 39 is a lot of warning that we're about to go in exile. If we don't change, we're going to go in exile. Isaiah 40 through 66 is the prophet writing from exile, and yet there's hope. And so, yeah, that's that voice of hope that that kind of comes throughout those chapters 40 through 66. I, I was going to pick up on what you said there about like the prophet wanting the, mm-hmm. the God to act in these big ways, like tear open the heavens, uh, send down your fire. The, the interesting thing about that is in the story of the people of God, there's precedent for that. God right. parted waters. God sent the fire when Elijah prayed for it. So there's precedent for that. So, so the prophet has every reason to ask God to do that. The, the prophet asks and the people are asking in faith, believing that God has done and will do. And yet he doesn't. And I think that is something we can all relate to. Is that a scenario of God acting out of character or alluding to something new? I, I think it is a new chapter in the story of God. Uh, I think I don't think it's God acting out of character. I think it is, you know, pointing us to this new thing that God is doing in the person of Jesus Christ. Here's the interesting thing about that passage. The the Hebrew word for tear open the heavens. So in Greek, when the gospel writers are telling the story of the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus at his baptism, that's that Greek word is a translation of that Hebrew word. And so the same word Isaiah uses for rend open the heavens, come down with your fire is the Hebrew version of this Greek word that the gospel writers use to describe the heavens being torn open and the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus at his baptism. And then it's also the same word that is used to describe the veil of the temple being torn in two. So in every instance, God's presence is is a veil is being torn open. God's presence is entering into the human equation but in this new thing God is doing, it's a dove, a symbol of peace. It's Jesus giving his life so that God's presence now flows out of the temple and into the world. And so it clearly is a new chapter in, in what God is doing to redeem the world. So the seeds of this prayer that Isaiah made, he never got to sow, but God very much answered that in in to rip open the heavens and say, this is my son. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that takes us to the kind of perfectly to the second passage there, which is uh, first Corinthians two, six through 10, where we learn that there's a wisdom beyond us, Mm. a timeless loving father who sees, he Mm -hmm. sees our brokenness and doesn't leave us alone, but gives us the spirit through which his wisdom is revealed. God knows more that, holy wisdom is more than we can fathom so though we we pray in this brokenness there's something new to hope for and to look forward to and something that we may not understand yeah yeah it's the wisdom that that is beyond our wisdom it's interesting how paul in in corinthians quotes isaiah 64 no eye has seen no ears heard no mind can know this wisdom that god has and isn't it interesting how God tears open the heavens. The heavens are torn open. The veil of the curtain is torn. Um, But in God's wisdom, what humanity receives 
is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which looks very different here at his first coming, which we're anticipating and telling the story during Advent. looks very different than send your fire, send your judgment, send your vindication. It is no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind can conceive of this thing God is doing. And, and no one did. No one anticipated it would be Mary's baby. No one anticipated it would be a carpenter from Nazareth. But this, this gift God has given the world is exactly what the world needs. So I was trying to, as I prepared for this podcast, think of ways that this applied back to me. And before I go there, those that are living through this Advent season, we have a choice how we want to plug ourselves in. And it's up to us what it is that we get out of this Advent season. I think of, so there's something called the learning pyramid. I don't expect anyone to know what, what this is, but the idea is as you go from more of a passive involvement in learning to an active involvement, you retain more, you get more out of it. So if you are just sitting for a lecture or sitting for a sermon, I hate to break it to you, Pastor, mm-hmm. but- uh, That's okay. <laughs> Five percent is retained. I think that's the same as people who listen to a podcast. Oh, good. (laughs) Good. Sorry. (laughs) As you are reading about something, you retain 10%. As you demonstrate something, uh, you're at about 30% retention. But then all the way, when you are at the point of teaching others, you are then retaining 90% of this. When you can apply what it is that we hope to instill through this Advent season in finding joy, when you apply it in such a way that you can then push that into others and teach others about it, you will get far more out of this season than if you're just sitting on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. But as I began to think of how this applied back to me in ways that I'm crying out to God and asking for this big movement, Have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? I have. I don't think it's an actual sickness, but it's this idea of total Mm self-doubt. Doubt in my intellect or skills or accomplishments, something that says, I don't belong here. I fell into this and everyone sees it. Mm -hmm. And for the last few years, that has kind of been a part of my story whether it's in my daily job, my career, whether it's where I'm at with my relationships or any other really skill set, I'm, I'm questioning that I, that I don't belong here. That's heavy. That, that can be really, really heavy. Uh, I, I, I can relate to that. I, I think it's, it's part of our progression in going through life. And as we get older, more and more responsibility comes our way. And um, I think maybe, maybe the way people cope with imposter syndrome is fake it till you make it true, (laughs) which is not a, that's not a, I don't know that that's a healthy approach either, you know, to, to, you know, fake something that, that isn't genuine, but I've definitely been in those moments where I am in so far over my head. I think you have to like fall back and, and realize, wait, God opened this door. God put me in this situation. God has me here for a reason. And, and, and God is the one who equips me and empowers me. 
what God wants to do in this situation. No eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind can know, especially ours, right? Yeah. <laughs> the ones in the situation. There have been times where I've just, I've prayed for that, that big God to come and lift, lift off the weight, mm-hmm. you know, take something away, take a portion away. And, you know, I can already asking God to like tear open the situation, yes, break into this situation. And, and, a, you know, probably hasn't done it the way you wanted him to. Yes. And I can already hear my, my grandma saying that you have built altars of the things that God has done for you in the past, rely on those altars. And, and for me, mm. I don't know, I forget about them, but in those prayers of wanting this weight lifted, I find myself leaning towards music. The more that I worship, whether it's up on stage and we're rocking out and, you know, you can just tell that the spirit is moving or if if I'm at home alone and just singing in a corner, that worship is weightlifting mm-hmm. to me and, and unexpected mm-hmm. because it's not it's not the let me feel like like I belong in this situation. Let me let me feel like my the the weight is lifted, but change nothing in my life. It's in the moments of worship that I can feel those things lifted. And, and for me, that is incredibly unexpected. I I think worship has the, um, well, the, the goal of worship obviously is to exalt the Lord. But when we do that, we see the Lord, we see, and we experience his presence and you can't be in the presence of God and not be changed. And so the circumstances might not change, but you change. God changes you. God changes your perspective. God allows you to see him who's and he's with you and he's going to help you through whatever you're going through. That in breaking light um, throughout the Bible really broke all kinds of norms and expectations. We have this foundation set of the earthquake God, the rock splitting water coming out, Red Sea. Mm-hmm. splitting kind of God. And then in comes the story in Isaiah where he's asking for these things and crickets, mm-hmm. you know, we see. Which actually happens a lot in the Bible. True. I mean, there are the big stories. I mean, the walls of Jericho fall, the Red Sea parts, the fire comes down for Elijah. But and I think Elijah is actually the best example of Okay, the fire comes down. God does exactly what I ask him to do. And then the next chapter, 2 Kings 19, I believe, he's asking God, why have you left me alone? Where are you? And that's when God's not present in the wind. He's not present in the fire. He's not present in the earthquake. He's present in the stillness. Right. But we see this this broken norm, this, this veering off from expectations everywhere mm-hmm. like you mentioned you had the the hebrews praying for liberation uh, which they found themselves in this whole cycle of oppression and freedom and then uh rebellion and then all over again and then it circles back yeah. again isaiah's here praying for holy fire 
the oppressed prayed for a Messiah to free them from the Romans. Uh, but God responded to all of them mm-hmm. kind of with the opposite of what they thought that they were asking for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was peace and freedom, which came from an unexpected place. A suffering Messiah. I mean, that's ultimately where Advent leads us. The, you know, the prayer is for the Messiah to deliver, to 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 give political and sociological freedom. But but this is not what Jesus delivers. Jesus is a suffering Messiah that delivers salvation, redemption, and hope for the world. Um, but he does so through um, you know, turning the conventions of power completely upside down. Not born in a palace, not mm-hmm. born in a position of power, but born in a trough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fully identifying with humanity completely entering into the human equation that that really is is where advent is is moving us toward which which again goes back to this you know this is why paul's quoting isaiah 64 in in second corinthians no eye has seen no ear has heard like there is no precedent for this uh, especially in the first century when with in cultures just completely obsessed with power and prestige and position there, there is just no, there's no paradigm for someone with all power who can split the heavens, who can send the fire, and yet chooses to disarm the violence of the world, the oppression of the world by absorbing it in himself and, and suffering by taking all of it on himself. So then how is it that we can recognize God's light in the midst of the darkness. Mm. How do I do that? Mm. I, I I think I, that identification of Jesus with humanity, um, there is the, the message is not that, um, well, the, the message is that like in this darkness, God is with you. And, and when God is with you, there is light. Uh, shines. And so um, whatever you're going through, I mean, you mentioned imposter syndrome. I, I know many of our listeners are are dealing with all kinds of darkness, mm-hmm. um, the, the despair of depression, uh, especially around the holidays, the despair of poor choices, uh, the regret, the shame. Just know that Jesus has fully entered into the human experience uh, the heavens have been torn open and Jesus has come and entered into those situations. Whatever you're going through, he's, he's there with you. He's, he's been there before. This is not uncharted waters. I've said this before in podcasts that I don't subscribe to the whole idea that everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. but I do believe that everything can be redeemed for his glory. Yeah. I think that's a very important distinction too. As I go through and I'm thinking about my own brokenness and places that I have been or regrets that I have and going through the different levels of of depression, and I'm sure that those that are listening are thinking of their, their own situations, how is it then that my brokenness can become beautiful? I, I Again, I think you look to Jesus so 
the same prophet that gave us Isaiah 64 also gives us Isaiah 53, which is the song of the suffering servant. In that passage, we read, you know, by his wounds, we are healed by his stripes. We are healed. Um, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And so our wounds are not, uh, are, are, are not wounds that Jesus has not also experienced. He's, he's also experienced that. So, so in this great reversal of, of all things, uh, not only is, is God turning, you know, power structures upside down, but he's also turning suffering upside down so that, that Jesus who suffers on our behalf can take our suffering and use it for his ultimate good and for, for our ultimate redemption as well. In the, uh, in the sermon this past week, I, I referenced a song by one of my favorite artists. His name's Jason Gray. And he just really captures this idea really well with this song. Uh, it's called The Wound is Where the Light Breaks In. And uh, there's a line in the song that says, you can recognize a saint by the scars they don't disguise. And there, there's, there's, there's a lot going on in that line, but saint, by, by calling someone a saint, you're not saying they're perfect, but you're saying they've been with God for a while. They've walked the walk and they've talked the talk. And when, when you walk with God for a long time, you're going to have some scars. You're going to have some moments where, where you were unfaithful. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's part of the human experience. Or you're going to have some scars from things people have done to you, things that you couldn't control. But you can recognize a saint, someone who's walked with God by the scars, and every scar has a story, by the scars they don't disguise. So their willingness to say, hey, here's a chapter in my life I'm not proud of, but it's a scar now. It's not an open wound. And, and God was present in that. So I think, I just think there's a lesson for us there. So as I'm willing to teach about the healing of my scar, maybe God can redeem that for the betterment of someone else. Absolutely. And is it not true that like every scar we have, there probably was a moment in that situation where we were saying, God, open up the heavens. Mm-hmm. Send your fire. This is where I need one of those Red Sea moments. And more than likely, the, the scar represents a moment where God didn't do that the way we wanted him to. But it doesn't mean he wasn't present. He was present in a different way. And somehow in the suffering, in the waiting, in the longing, God accomplished something that, that only that process you know, would accomplish. God accomplished obviously something that only he could do, but we had to go through the the process. Your brokenness when laid down for the sake of others becomes something more beautiful than you could have ever imagined. As Christ shines through our broken pieces, our wholeness comes into focus. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he has made everything beautiful in its time and it's time you allow him to shine. Mark, thank you. This was uh, this was a a difficult week one for me, but I appreciate you joining me in it. As always, Jared, thanks, man. Thanks for putting these together, and thanks for sharing about some of your scars and difficult week one. But the uh, the, the end goal is pretty sweet, so we'll uh, we'll keep moving towards 
that which Advent anticipates. And thank you for joining us in today's podcast. Here at Central, we are a growing people who are growing people. We believe strongly in your ability to grow, so please submit your questions about your journey with Christ to centralchurchonline.com slash podcast. See you next time.